This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Pastor Matt Woodley and is from Sanctity of Life Sunday, 2017. So in case you're new here, my name is Matt Woodley and I'm the missions pastor here at Church of the Resurrection. And usually about every year we spend one Sunday focusing on what we call the sanctity of human life, what it means to be a people who are committed to being what's sometimes called pro-life. Um, and when you hear that, you might think, um, some of you might think that's just a really contentious, divisive, painful, personal issue. So you might get nervous. What's he going to say? What's he going to talk about? Who's he going to call out? Who's he going to condemn? Um, and let me just say up front where I'm going to go with this message, because uh, Bishop Stewart asked me to preach on this topic about three months ago, and I feel like the Lord just laid something on my heart immediately, and that was, call the church to be the church. Call the church to just be who we are in Jesus Christ. Not so much to wor- worry so much about other people and what they're doing wrong, but call us to be who we're supposed to be, first and foremost. So that's my goal, is to build up the church. Uh, let me start by telling you a couple of stories, some people I knew. Uh, back in 1988, I started pastoring a church in a little town called Barnum, Minnesota. It's population 460, room for plenty more if you want to move there. It's a great little town. So we spent eight years there. And so if you go up I-35 straight from Minneapolis, you go north, you follow it to exit 220, you'll hit the home of the Barnum Bombers. And you turn right on County Road 6, and you go about six miles, and you'll hit the home of, as everybody in Barnum knows, you would hit the farm home of Willis and Kay Finnefrock. Now, Willis is a retired farmer, retired turkey farmer, retired turkey repairman. He was actually a furnace repairman and a fuel oil driver delivery guy. Did that his whole life, and among many other jobs. Kay is a wonderful church leader, a spiritual mother to dozens, if not hundreds of women and men and children in the church, and an amazing cook. And what got us to Barnum in the first place in 1988 was the call of God and K's eight homemade pies, different kinds of pies, by the way. So I remember Sunday afternoon dinners, having these just elaborate farm dinners, which Minnesotans call a little lunch. And so we would have roast beef or turkey, mashed potatoes and gravy, um, two or three different kinds of vegetables fresh from the garden, not in the winter, but in the summer, um, homemade rolls or biscuits, and then two or three kinds of homemade pies. Willis and Kay just modeled radical hospitality. So if you go back in town, and then you go south on Old Bear Lake Road, you'll run into the home, as everybody in Barnum knows, the home of Leon and Nancy Finnefrock. Yes, they happen to be related. So Leon and Nancy had a home, huge home, on about 80 acres of land in which they raised their own children, but then they also raised over 100 foster boys, adolescent boys, ages 13 to 18, boys whom Nancy called were the rejects of our society's dysfunction. Nobody wanted them. Families didn't want them. The state didn't want them. They were just one step away from maybe juvenile detention, but Leon and Nancy took them in, over 100 boys. So I remember many meals around their huge table with my family of six and their family of their biological children and then their adopted children, sometimes 15, 20 people. Again, a place of radical hospitality. 
they created a zone of hospitality. You know, when you walk into a library, you're in a zone. You're in a quiet study zone. When you walk into a place where there's a bunch of guys walking around with yellow hard hats and blueprints in their hand, you're walking into a construction zone. You kind of know where you are. You know what that zone entails. Well, the Finifrocks tell us something about the church. And the church is to be a zone of radical hospitality. That's who we are. And that's what we do. That's church being the church. And it all starts, coincidentally enough, not surprising, it starts with Jesus. You heard the gospel reading, and I want to point you to that on page 12. And I'm going to actually read it in my Bible, but it's the same version of the Bible. You heard Jesus' offer of radical hospitality because Jesus is the ultimate zone of radical hospitality. When you're with Jesus, you're being invited in. Notice what he says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I love that verse. I've, I've just thought about that verse for like 30 years, applying it to myself, applying it to what it means to how I live my life as a Christian. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. It's like you're on a long road trip and you're tired and you feel scuzzy and you feel dirty and you feel like you just need a break and, you, and, and then you see this huge neon sign, come here, stop here, fresh food here, good coffee here, you can get cleaned up here, you can rest here. And then you realize it's not just a place to stop, but it's a place to stay. It's home. You're welcomed home, and you're embraced, and you're loved. It's a place of radical hospitality. That is what Jesus is offering in this passage, a place of radical hospitality. And notice who can come. It's really important. Who can come? All. What a great word. All can come. And then he gives a condition. What is the condition? All who are worthy all who are righteous, all who are spiritually competent, all who have their act together, all who have never made a train wreck out of their life. No, you just got to be tired. That's the qualification. All who are weary and heavy laden. You just got to be tired of trying to measure up, tired of trying to be good enough, tired of trying to live life your way, tired of trying to make life work your way in a fallen world where it's never going to work the way you want it to work. You have to be tired. And Jesus says, if you're part of that all, you can come. Come to me. And then he says, he doesn't just say come, though, because there there's a condition attached to this. He says, I want you to come, and I want you to take my yoke Upon you, he says in verse 29, and learn from me. What was a yoke? Well, in farming days, it was the wooden thing you put on a cattle's shoulders to gently turn it where it's supposed to go 
so it can be, create the most fruitful planting for the crop. Oh, is Jesus comparing us to cattle? No, but he is saying that you have a yoke. Everybody has a yoke. Nobody is yokeless. You live like with a yoke on you. You're going in a certain direction. You're moving a certain way. You have certain goals. You're driven by certain things. And Jesus says, why don't you take my yoke? And why don't you learn from me? Rather than be driven by something else, let me be the one leading you and guiding you. And learn life from me. You know, we've learned life from somebody. You don't just pop out of your mother's womb and you don't learn life from anybody. You have learned life from various people and situations and circumstances. You've learned life from your family. You've learned life from your friends. You've learned life from your coworkers. You've learned life from the society around you. And sometimes the messages that you've learned are really good. And they're really healthy and they're really life-giving and they're really even godly. But sometimes we've all learned things that are really crazy and really dysfunctional and just don't work and just make us really tired. And so Jesus says, it's not that strange. You're going to learn life from somebody. Why don't you learn it from me? Learn from me how to deal with your anger. Learn from me how to deal with your resentment. Learn from me how to treat your enemies. Learn from me how to love. Learn from me how to forgive. Learn from me how to be a fully alive human being. Learn from me. And then he gives his promise two times. He says, you will find rest. You will find rest. Now, the Christian life can be really hard because we got this new yoke on us, and we're learning new things, and we're learning new values and new ways of looking at things. And so that's challenging. Everything's kind of like discombobulated sometimes. Everything's kind of disoriented. It's like, that's not the way I would have gone with that. I mean, that's not the way I would have gone with that relationship. I'd much rather hold on to my resentment. And Jesus said, no, go over here. Let me lead you. Learn from me. Learn from me how to forgive. And so that's difficult. But Jesus is saying, it's easy. What I'm asking you to do is way easier than what you're trying to do, which is to have your own yoke go your own way. That's way harder. This is much easier. Jesus is the ultimate zone of hospitality. Now, here's the thing. You heard that first reading? Let me just read one verse from that. Because the church, where do people experience this welcome of Jesus today? The church is the embodiment of the welcome of Jesus. So Paul says in Romans, he's writing to a church. He's telling them how to be the church. This is how the church does the church. He says in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The same welcome in Jesus who says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, we embody that to the world. We transmit that message. We live it. We show it. We demonstrate it. And then we invite people not only just to ourselves, but more importantly, we invite people to Jesus behind us, the one who's saying, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. There was a story that sort of went viral this Thanksgiving. It's a story about a uh, woman named Wanda Dench who was inviting her grandson to Thanksgiving dinner. She didn't know that her grandson had a new cell phone, so she texted him, said, hey, I hope you're coming for Thanksgiving dinner. It actually went to another guy who had a new phone number. His name was Jamal Hinton. They didn't know each other. They texted back and forth. They figured out what was going on. And then Jamal said, texted, since you're having Thanksgiving dinner, could I get one of those plates at your table? 
And Wanda texted back this, of course you can. That's what grandmas do. So we came, oh, isn't that a great story? Yeah. But you know, that's not just what grandmas do. I'd like to change that. Of course you can. That's what Christians do. That's just what we do. That's who we are. I mean, we haven't always been perfect at it. We don't always do it, but that's what we're trying to do. That's who we're trying to be. Of course you can. That's what Christians do. So I said I was going to talk about sanctity of life, and you're thinking, he hasn't even mentioned it yet. Well, yeah, I have, really, because this is the church. So then what is the, how does the, given this context of a zone of hospitality, how does the church respond? Or maybe we should ask, who does the church invite specifically? So let me apply it specifically to who we invite into our zone of hospitality around this issue of abortion, life, all that kind of stuff. Who do we welcome? Four kinds of people. First of all, we welcome people, period, because they are made in the image of God, because they have dignity as someone made in the image of God, and because they are the person who the Apostle Paul said at one point, this is the person for whom Christ has died. So we welcome people. I read a lot of blogs and a lot of online discussions, and so there's a lot of buzz these days about Christians, other people who are pro-life, are really just pro-birth. And then once the baby's born, they don't care. So they're just pro-birth. Just have the baby. We just want you to have the baby, and then bye. Hope you do well. Now, I think that's incredibly unfair. And the people that I know, I don't see that very often. But if there is a, if there's truth to that, let us repent and let us admit our lack of love. You know, we're the people that every Sunday, every Sunday we stand before God and each other and before the cross of Jesus and then we say, we talk about the things we've done and left undone. We've talked about, I haven't loved God and I haven't loved my neighbor as myself. So is that possible that we could do that? That we could not love some people the way we're... Yeah. So let us repent. Let us repent if we treated anybody without dignity. Maybe uh, refugees, those who are incarcerated, those who um, are poor, those who are different race or nationality. Every person is made in the image of God. Each person we meet is somebody for whom Christ has died. So we welcome people to the Jesus who says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We also welcome children, unborn and born. One of the early church leaders, one of the early church fathers said this, I quote, the unborn child is the object of God's care. The unborn child is the object of God's care. And that's something, that view was so clear so consistent, so undebated, so un... There's two sides to this throughout the history of the church. It was clear. And it's good to have that kind of clarity. Whether you agree with that kind of clarity or not, it's good to just hear it's not muddled, it's not ambiguous. 
It's clear. It's a child. It's a human life. Now, this is really interesting because in the context of the early church, when the early church started sprouting and flowering and spreading and growing, children were basically treated like less valuable than cattle. So the child wasn't really a member of the family until the father said the child's a member of the family. And so a child could, as often happened, if it was the wrong gender, a girl. If it was imperfect, it had disabilities. It was exposed. The child was exposed, which was a technical term for meaning it's left on the margins of the city, the outskirts of the city, and it's left there to die. The baby is left there. The boy or the girl is left there to die, left there to get eaten by dogs, left there to get picked up perhaps by human traffickers. And Christians said, that is not going to happen. We are not going to let that happen. That's just not the kind of people we are. And so they took these children and they started taking them into their homes. They took these children like our our replanted families, uh, take children and and adopt them into their homes. And so these non-persons became neighbors. And not only neighbors, but sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and family it was radical. It was revolutionary. But that was the church at its best, just doing the church, being the church. We welcome children, unborn and born. We also welcome expectant mothers. There's a woman named Frederica Matthews Green. She's a Christian woman, an Orthodox woman. She writes a lot on um, matters of abortion, and she's really done an incredible job of, like, bridging across on what would be the other side to have conversations with people, respectful conversations. And she wrote a book called Real Choices, and in that book she asked women why they had had an abortion, why they choose to have an abortion rather than carry the child to full term and deliver the child. And she said that almost overwhelmingly, actually 88% of the time, women said, I had my abortion because of a relationship. Somebody wanted me to have an abortion, or nobody was there for me. And over and over, the women said, I would have had the baby if there had been somebody to stand by me. And then Frederica Matthews Green said, they weren't asking for a lot. They weren't asking for housing or jobs and a handout. They were just asking for a friend. And I read that line, and it's just like, was a dagger. They were just asking for a friend. So, first question I asked was, well, where were the men? Where'd they go? Second question I asked was, where were the friends? Where was the church? Well, here's the good news. It doesn't have to be that way. We, um, about two years ago, a couple of women in our church uh, were involved in a, a relationship that's called a CareNet Connection. CareNet, um, which is an organization that we support and we are um, 
friends with and in partnership with. They have this CareNet connection in which a couple people from a church walk beside uh, a woman who's pregnant who basically has very little support. She doesn't have that friend. She doesn't have that. So they match us together. So we got matched with a woman named Danielle. And a couple women from the church walked with her through that whole pregnancy. But they didn't just stop there. They continued that support. They continued that friendship. They continued that relationship. Gave her a baby shower. Helped her think about and try to equip her for life as a single parent. Because now this was her second child. They invited her to church. They helped her with find child care. And when she moved out of state, they kept in touch with her. Uh, one of the women, Cindy, who told me about this story, she, I, I asked her to to write me about it, and she said, she gave me this quote, she said, Danielle seems to be doing well, and it's obvious that she adores her little girls. It was a blessing to get to know her and be part of her life. That's what the church does. That's the church being the church. That's the church pointing people to Jesus who said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. One more thing around this issue, and that is that the church also invites and welcomes women or men or abortion workers who have in any way participated in an abortion. You know, I read a stat that only a third of church women who've said they had an abortion would feel safe dealing with that in church in any way. That's church women. That's us. That's wrong. But I don't think that's their fault. I think that's us to convey and to create and to nurture this zone of hospitality. I reached out to a friend of mine, Nancy Cruiser. Many of you know her. She gave me permission to, to quote her in this sermon. And, and she said this, she said, those who have had abortions, and she had one herself, may be thinking, it's wonderful the church is welcoming people, but they are perfect Christians, and I'm a sinner who's done something horrible. I am more comfortable sitting here with my secret. But then she went on to say, share a little bit about her story, and she said, when I confessed my abortion to God and others, I came to understand that Jesus had truly come for me. Not for the perfect or the righteous, but he had come for me, the sinner, the wounded. She knew she was part of that all. Come to me all, and I will give you rest. And we're going to do something this year that I want to invite you to come. If this describes you or if you just want to support people that this describes, it's called an Infant Memorial Lost Service. It's going to be on Sunday night, January 29th. And it's for women and men who have participated in abortion, um, had a child, lost a child through miscarriage or through stillbirth. We just want you to, it's just a place. There's not going to be a big sermon. There's not going to be teaching. It's just a place to just heal, to be, to be loved to be welcomed, and to heal. That's the point of the whole service. So we invite you to come to that. So you see the, the beautiful invitation that Jesus has? You see how beautiful this is? How beautiful it can be? 
Jesus who keeps saying, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest, he's still speaking that through his word. He's still speaking that. So I just want to ask this morning, maybe you're part of the all that needs to come. Not because of anything specifically, maybe because specifically of what I've been talking about, but maybe just broader than that, this isn't really an issue that really touches you, but you just need to come. You just need to be part of that all. You need to say, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of carrying my own yoke. I'm tired of trying to learn life on the fly from myself, from other sinful people like me. I want to learn life from you. I want to be under your yoke. If that describes you this morning, if you're part of the all, I would just encourage you at some point in this service, and maybe when we have prayer times on the side, maybe when we come for the Eucharist, to just say, Jesus, I'm coming. I hear your invitation. Here I am. I'm not going to wait till I get better. I'm not going to wait till I clean up my act. I'm just going to come. And you come. Come to the Lord Jesus. You know, as Jesus draws people to himself, he creates the church. And the church becomes the zone of radical hospitality. You know, it can start really small with simple acts of hospitality. It can start with each person that's a member of Res or a tender of Res saying, just coming to church with a slightly different mindset. I mean, maybe you already do this, but maybe just, just a slightly, just, just even a couple more degrees, just saying, I'm going to come. I want to be a part of creating the zone of radical hospitality. In the church where I live, in my neighborhood, at work, I don't know what that means, Lord. I don't know how to do that. But Lord, show me and lead me and show me how to just reorient myself just a little bit more to creating that zone of radical hospitality. See, I'm convinced that beautiful things can happen even when we commit ourselves as a church to small acts of hospitality. So I called my friend Leon Finnefrock this week. I told him I was going to talk about him. And um, he said, well, let me tell you what just happened in our church just this last couple months. There was a woman in our community who was an atheist. She wasn't going to church anywhere, obviously. She had a tragedy in her life. Her husband committed suicide. She was about maybe 40 years old. She knew somebody from the church, and somebody from the church said, why don't you come and use our building for a funeral if you don't have any place to go? So that started a relationship. They invited the woman to church. She was pretty skeptical, but she came. And she was still trying to figure this out. Why are people being nice to me? What's their agenda? I thought Christians were all hypocrites. You know, all that kind of stuff. And finally it just sunk in, and the woman realized, they really love me. They really care about me. There is a God who really loves me. That God was made known in Jesus Christ. She accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She said, I want your yoke on me, Jesus. While she was at the church, she met this other guy about the same age. He had lost his wife also through suicide. So now you have these two survivors, man, woman, both Christians. They get married on New Year's Day in the church. And Leon's telling me this story, and Leon being Leon and Willis being Willis, they're these tough guys, you know, farmers, you know, driving tractors, splitting wood, all that kind of stuff. And they, Leon is just like, just starts, you know, tearing up as usual. Can't get through it without choking up. He's crying. 
just as Willis would have done if he was telling the story. Because it's just, it's just so beautiful. It's just so amazing. He told me this story, and I thought, it is, that is amazing. Jesus said that's worth a party in heaven. But then on the other hand, it's really not that amazing, you know? Because it is the church being the church. It's amazing. I'll say it's amazing, but maybe it's not unique. It's just the church being the church, inviting people to Jesus. So here's my call. Let's be the church. Let's be the church. Let's invite people to Jesus. The one who says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Let's embody that. And then let's watch and see what God will do. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.